welcome to This American Ex-Wife. I am your host, Liz Lenz, and with us today, I have the producer, the mustache, the man himself, the overseeing eye of the patriarchy, Zachary Oren-Smith. Hey, Zach. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're here. Uh, we're here after ten episodes. We put together an entire season. Yes, an entire season. Ten episodes. I've never done a podcast before. This is my very first time producing. This has been fun. But you work for Iowa Public Radio, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> this is your first uh, podcast. Yeah, Fourier in dealing with us, uh, someone someone who bullies me uh, relentlessly yes. in the studio, yes. as we've discussed. How dare you? I bully you relentlessly. What I want to ask you is how, because a lot of people have asked me this, and I want to know what you feel about it. How does it feel being a man, uh, a heterosexual man, allegedly listening to all these uh, episodes? I, I just think for the record, you, sh- you should keep in mind, it's just really good to know that you, on behalf of the patriarchy, are our Manchurian candidate, <laughs> slowly letting me on the margins, sneaking in <laughs> bits and bops of, uh, of our message. Right. He, he does edit out all the real radical lady rabble rousing stuff because he Someone's can't. Someone's got to be here. He can't let these <laughs> ladies get out of control. No, but really, how does it feel? For me, and the thing that I've just adored working on has been, um, so in the middle of your episodes, right, uh, two segments, in the middle there's what what we've been calling divorce stories, right? Um, These have been uh, members of your your readership who've written in and said, like, hey, I've got a story that I want to share with you, right? Um, And getting to edit some of those together, finding kind of a voice in them has been just such a rewarding experience. In fact, uh, there's there's one there's one that I just cannot get enough of. A story from one of our listeners who part of getting ready to leave her her marriage was finding kind of kinship with her husband to be's uh, mother. I mean, just a really gripping story. Can we can we play a little bit of that? Let's play it. Absolutely. I was 21 when I was engaged to a man who was older than me. Not too much older, only three years. But at 21, that's a pretty big. <laughs> gap. I had just finished college. I was headed to grad school. I had no money, but we were planning this big old wedding that our parents were helping pay for that they were so excited was happening. Um, Things had not been good for a while, but we thought, you know, being engaged and getting married would help Um, right before the wedding was going to happen. His stepmom got really, really ill. And she was always so kind to me in the four years that I knew them. Um, She had type 1 diabetes that went out of control uh, after she had developed it after giving birth to her two kids that she loved so much. Um, So she was being shuffled between hospital and the nursing home. And I realized just with horror that her husband was hardly ever there. And he hardly ever brought the kids. I brought the kids when I could, but which wasn't as often as I would have liked. Um, And my fiance wouldn't come sit with her either. He said work was too stressful and it was too hard. And so I I sat with her, a college student. She didn't know very well um, who she introduced to everyone as her daughter-in-law, which was very sweet of her because she was a very sweet person. But she had run herself ragged for a family that wasn't even with her the whole summer that she died. I mean, we sat and watched the Olympics together. I get a little choked up whenever the Olympics are on now because I think of her. 
And I just realized as that summer unfolded and realized that a 21 year old was more involved in helping to guide this person to death than any of her family members. And I just knew that in any crisis, if I ever got sick, if something were to happen, I would die alone too. And I couldn't imagine that. I didn't want that for me. And it was the first time I had had that realization that I deserved better than that. And so did she. So did she. So I broke my whole life, burned it down, and built a better one. But damn, does it hurt in the process, huh? Liz, did you have, uh, were there any of the divorce stories that you really liked? Yeah, so like you, and I know we've talked a lot about this, we were both surprised because we had put out a call for stories, not really knowing how we would incorporate them into the podcast. And then they came in and you and I were both just really overwhelmed by like the power of the stories, by how poignant they were. And um, and and we ended up making two reader email episodes uh, because of the wonderful writing and feedback. But um, my favorite reader story moment was just that simple little story about the woman finding that her wedding dress had been eaten by mice and finding (laughs) solidarity with the rodents and I think that like it's so great because there are just like so many little places you know Milan Kundera talks about like how we you know we look for signs and meaning and and we organize our lives according to the laws of beauty even in times of deepest distress and so it was Mm. just one of those things where it just felt like the universe was affirming her choice by sending these mice to nibble on her dress like the opposite Cinderella. Um, Can we play that story? Absolutely. I might have a very interesting wedding dress story. Uh, After the divorce, um, one of the things I had to do was go to the storage unit and get all the stuff and sort through it all. The wedding dress was in with a bunch of other stuff. I pulled out the box that had the wedding dress and it had been eaten by mice. Like there were holes all over it. There were mice droppings in the box. And the funny thing was that there was no other damage to anything else in the storage unit from mice, just the wedding dress. (laughs) And I thought, this is awesome. This is perfect. This is exactly how I feel about our marriage. It's gone. And the mice support me. (laughs) Everybody else judges me uh, for choosing to divorce. But the mice, they've got me. I mean, I think I'm really struck by just like the this like um, this response, right, that uh, folks have when I, I, mean, I think I think you find this with a lot of your work on the newsletter, a lot of your work in essay. But I mean, I think it's been really special for me as someone who's been reading you for some time, right, to like find you like see hear what these interviews sound like to hear kind of be a fly on the wall for some of this. Um, I wonder, maybe maybe was there like a moment from the season that you want to share uh, kind of as we're trying to wrap things up for season one? Well, all the guests are my favorite guests, and each one is my favorite son, and I cannot pick a favorite at all. But if I have to pick a moment that really just like, there are two moments that kind of slap me in the face where the one was in the Morgan Jerkins episode when I was telling her about how men had slipped into my DMs during 2020. I had the best time texting men during COVID because men tend to get their shit together when tomorrow's not promised. So I met <laughs> a lot of men that were like, 
Oh, I know what I want. I want X, Y, Z. Oh, okay. So now you know what is what you want. That's the thing. Yes. It's a, it, it takes it takes a global pandemic for men to say what they want. I just cannot stop thinking about that. It was so funny. I thought her her all of her insights were really great. And there was the other moment um, when I interviewed Aubrey Hirsch, and and that interview uh, was so great. And I and I know people might not understand this, but I really script out and research all. The questions and go back and forth with the guests before we even sit down to record. So there's a lot of legwork put up front. But when I started talking with Aubrey, and maybe it's just because we also have like a friendship, but we got a little off track. Oh my God, nothing makes a man more angry than a woman who doesn't hate herself. But also, like, if you agree with the compliment, like if someone's like, Oh, you're so pretty. And you're like, thanks. I know. Oh my God. Like you should not know that. Like you should definitely never know that it should be true, objectively true, but you shouldn't have noticed perceived yourself in any positive way. Her confidence to proclaim herself something that I think so many people, women especially, have anxiety about and look for outside affirmation for. And she was just like claiming this um, essence for herself, this like beauty for herself. And I think just like the casual confidence that she had to be everything that she is in the world is just like one of those moments that really really stuck with me and is something I'm gonna be thinking about probably for the rest of my life well I am hot I am hot (laughs) she's just like well of course I am and I was like if only I had been like that when I was 12 my my daughter is actually like that I'll say I'll say I love you honey and she'll go I love me too (laughs) and I'm like yes uh, 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 extremely Lynn's answer. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? How about you? Was there a moment? I'm going to pass it back to to me. Yes. I guess, I guess I'll ask you for your input. You'll give it to me anyway. I I just got done doing a final mix for, for the episode 10 with Virginia Mm. Soulsmith. Um, great. And one of my, I mean, it's, it's a great conversation, right? I love the way you guys wrestle with some of these questions from listeners. Um, but for my money, right, there's this moment that happens and you really can't hear it on tape, right? There, but um, each, clearly during the middle of this interview, Virginia hears a sound, right? She's doing her thing, having a you're having fun, going back and forth. And she hears the sound of a garage door opening. And it's this it's a it's just kind of a small moment. But she's like uh, you can hear that you can hear her slow up her tense. Up, she's like, um, I just have to stop for one second. I'm so sorry. Hilariously, my ex-husband is interrupting our podcast. Incredible. You can keep all this on the tape. He is <laughs> stopping by to pick up something a kid needs, and he's using the garage door, even though I texted to use the front door. Don't use the garage. Don't use the garage. Yes. Her soon-to-be ex-husband. Soon-to-be ex-husband. Yes. Uh, and uh, dude uses the garage yes. <laughs> during the middle of this episode. And uh, and for me, it's like it kind of like underscored that um, you know for a lot of folks, there's the, you know these aren't like brains that uh, you know just like kind of uh, are talking about these things in the abstract, right? These are people that are going through. They're in the middle of these messy relationships. They're in the middle of doing work on these relationships. And I. Uh, you know, it's in that, and I think for a lot of listeners, for someone like me, right, who is working through these messy relationships, I uh, I really just loved hearing that happening in the space, just yeah. in the middle of a conversation. I love that. Yeah, I think that's what makes this topic like so important because like marriage is a political 
like it is something that exists in politics, mm-hmm. right? It's a legal status, but it's also like a very real, like it, it's part of the very real messy tangle of our life in a way that is impossible to escape, unlike mm-hmm. some things that are easier to escape. Um, and so I think just like that, you know, I, I, I talk about it in my newsletter about where our personhood hits the politics. Right. And, and yes, it's like one of those moments where it's like we're not just talking about these things in the abstract. We're literally trying to live them. And what does that look like? And how do we find that freedom? And in the meantime, the garage door is opening when we have said don't open the garage door. So it's great. And uh, am I right in thinking we've got some help with next uh, next season, right? Why, Zach, we, we have an exciting announcement. And we did announce this um, in the newsletter. But putting together this season of the podcast was I wanted it to be an extension of my book. I want there were conversations I wanted to have. Um, that I I just, you know, felt like there were more things that needed to be said and in a different format. And so I knew that this season didn't didn't do all the things right. It didn't do everything that I wanted to. I really want to go deep into I want to go deep into some queer divorces. Right. I want to talk about um, maybe somebody transitioning. And so all these kinds of things. And so we had said we want to do a second season, but here's what it's going to cost. And then we estimated it'd be about $10,000 to do a second season. And literally right after we sent out that newsletter, we got an email um, from the Harnish Foundation. And they said we would love to sponsor Incredible. that whole amount. And so uh, Funny Girls, a program run by the Harnish Foundation, uses improv to teach leadership skills to girls and non-binary kids. Uh, grade three through eight, and they are the sponsor for season two. Um, and I'm so excited for them to be a partner because doing stand-up comedy at open mics around Cedar Rapids, which is a chapter in the book, helped me develop confidence and my voice after the divorce. And I think so often we expect men to be the jokesters and women to be the supporting audience. But learning to do stand-up was my way of reasserting my power, not just in my professional life, but as a way of reclaiming my own narrative. So I am just um, so honored and delighted for them to be a sponsor for season two. You know, Liz, I do you know how I found out that you did stand-up? Because I'm so funny and you cannot stop laughing whenever we talk. Well, that's not it. But <laughs> you, you, you are fired. super generous. You are super generous. You, you will occasionally, uh, you know, give, give little, give, give aspiring little writers like me a, a book. Say like, oh, check, you should check out this. You should read this. Um, and in your used copy, uh, apparently you use like you cut up your uh, stand up notes. <laughs> <laughs> you cut up your stand-up notes, uh, these little scraps of paper, and we'll use them. I think you must use them as bookmarks. Must, yeah. You must use them as bookmarks. Well, you also don't let them leave your book. <laughs> and so there'll be – I remember my wife was, like, going through a book. She, I think she had opened – cracked open one of those books because, again, I do not read, to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and she opens up one of these books, and she's like – like what is this scrap of paper? Is it? It's 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 someone talking about their their them divorcing their husband. Like, what is, 
this isn't yours, is it? And I was like, uh, no, I, I, I haven't been working on my stand-up routine, yeah. but uh, I think we found Liz's. When uh, people come to my home, I have uh, these bookshelves r- against the wall in the main living room. Bloated with books. It's just bloat, overflowing with books. And so when people come to my house, at some point during the night after I have a couple drinks, I'm like, past, I'm forcing books on people. I'm like, here, you like castles here's a book about castles like how do you feel about goats this one has an ancillary character that's a goat (laughs) who look like a goat i just verbally abuse the people who come to my house and i actually do cherish friendships cherish friendships yeah yeah drink this malort take this book go home and Uh, yes, and so that is that. Yes, but also I'm really funny. And in addition to the Harnish Foundation, yes. like being so generous with their time, yep. uh, helping helping us do this work, helping you do this work, mm-hmm. um, we also need help from listeners, right? Yes. So we want to have a second season and listen. Um, I've heard from people saying that they love this season, but there's places that we can go, and so we have a survey up on the Men Yell at Me newsletter. If you go to the click on the This America ex-wife section. You'll be able to see that survey. Um, please fill it out. Let us know the stories you want to hear, um, the things that you've been thinking. Um, we want to make sure that we have these conversations and we also want to hear from you. Um, I think the most powerful thing about this podcast and my book, because my book has these stories in them too these little interstitial stories that come from um people that are just talking about the realities of their lives breaking and rebuilding and so we need more of those stories and um you can email them if you want to men yell at me at gmail.com but we prefer them audio because this is an audio medium and just allegedly allegedly an audio medium if it was not an audio medium zach couldn't work for us because he is functionally illiterate as we've maybe a net gain i don't know the <laughs> airwaves i don't know but uh nobody in radio knows how to read and that's what they don't tell you um no stop it focus we need but we want to hear your voice because it just sounds so much more poignant and it gives everybody a break from my voice so if you go to speakpipe.com uh backslash t-a-e-w this American ex-wife you will find a way to just record a little story so please Please tell us your stories. Tell us about the the mice that ate your wedding dress. Um, one woman uh, messaged to me to send me a picture of an of her stabbing her wedding dress, which I loved personally, and I thanked her profusely for. Um, I know so many people have these stories, and we want to share them. So send them on to Speakpipe. The sharper, the better. We love the that. sharper, the better. <laughs> if there's violence, yes, please. <laughs> there doesn't have to be violence. It's not a prerequisite, but it's like definitely a bonus. Um, we, you won't go to jail. Actually, I can't promise that. <laughs> 
Um, and in addition uh, to speak pipe, um, Liz, uh, you're uh, by the time this episode's airing, right? Yes. You're going to be on book tour, right? Yes. It just strikes me now. I mean, do, are, there, are there some events you want to preview, or is there do you well, have any sense what that's going to look like? Um, you know, events events in our we're not in a post pandemic world. We're still in a pandemic uh, riddled world. So events are a little bit. Um, they're still coming together as we're talking, but right now I have um, an event on February 23rd in Des Moines. That's the book launch. It's going to be at Storyhouse Book Pub, which is right next to the Ray Gun. And if you are a Midwesterner, you know what Ray Gun is. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. It's our culture. And so we, uh, I'm so excited to launch the book there. Um, I mean, obviously, Iowa is my home. Um, it has brutalized me and loved me in equal measure. And um, and also, you know, I have my first book launch happened in New York, but I don't think that that sh- I think we should have book launches here. Mm-hmm. And so um, the wonderful people at Storyhouse Book Pub are um, are doing that. And I'm so excited. So that's February 23rd. Um, I will also be doing an event on uh March 6th in Chicago at Women and Children First and then in Minneapolis in March 20th at Majors and Quinn. Wow. I know. So Lady I town. I am really really excited and um to see people and I you know as as this book goes out into the world what I hope it does is start conversations um during second the you know the second wave feminist movement there were a lot of um consciousness raising groups where women would sit together and talk and just tell the realities of their lives and as they talked they realized that these problems that they thought were their fault were systemic and that's really one of the goals of my book is i want us to talk i want us to see the system i want our culture is to stop telling us to self-care our way out of our misery. And I want us to break. I want this culture to change. And we have to start doing that by realizing that this is a systemic issue. And just like every system in America, it has its classisms, its racisms, its misogyny. And we need to stand up and call that out and refuse to take on the burden of it. With season two coming up, I mean, I I wonder what your vision for those conversations will be, right? What you hope comes out of that future. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm just so excited. I think that there really isn't enough um, study just because there hasn't been enough time to study. But like queer relationships and the the making and the breaking and the way that gendered expectations even uh, so so it's so you know so funny because like heterosexual people will be like well we should just be gay and like gay people will be like these gendered expectations also impacted my relationship mm-hmm. and so I'm hearing these stories you know but there's not a lot of like research to back it up. So I'm hoping that we can have some more conversations like that. I want to talk about gray divorce, Mm. which is a huge part. Can can you say a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So we talked about it a little bit in the first episode of the podcast when my lovely divorce lawyer came on. But it is it's it's divorce in the 60 and up crowd. Um, And and it's basically call it gray divorce because of gray hair. But it's, you know, people who did everything right, got to the end of their life with their partner where everything's supposed to be happy. These are supposed to be your golden years. And they realize, oh, 
hell no and are yeeting themselves out. So can we sit, still say yeet? We can. A podcast about relationship yeeting. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah do, yes. Only relation, <laughs> relational yeeting is is the only acceptable the, context. This American Ex- yeeter. Yes. <laughs> That's... <laughs> You're canceled right. yeah i'm out I'll, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll leave you need to go now i'll leave uh, yeah <laughs> so that's that's quite I'll enough i'll walk myself out <laughs> um yes so uh, but that's actually you know so people my age and younger are more and more choosing not to marry and the great the biggest segment of divorce is great divorce so those are two big topics that i want to talk about and engage in conversation and whatever else the survey says i am but a servant of the people a servant of the people <laughs> uh-huh elizabeth lynn servant of the people uh-huh. that's why that's that's good yeah that's what they call me uh-huh. on the streets uh, on this on these streets uh-huh on these yeah streets. yeah the streets of cedar rapids uh-huh. you're like there she goes <laughs> The the eater again. <laughs> the eater. <laughs> okay, I think I think people have had quite enough of us. Uh, Zach, is there anything you want to add? Any perspectives that you can share that I can immediately ignore? Now that I have the mic. <laughs> now that you are allowed. Now to Now that speak. I finally have the power, I yeah. so crave. Yes. How are you going to oppress us? You'll have to tune in. <laughs> You'll have to. You have to tune in for out. season two. <laughs> She was like, Mommy, do you know how to breathe? Is your daughter a Victorian child? (laughs) She did talk like that for a while because she was very influenced by Harry Potter. But she was like, do you know how to breathe? And I was like, yeah, I do it all the time. Humble brag. She's like, no, you do this. And she's like trying to teach me how to breathe. And I was like, Alice, what are you doing? But now that she's 12, I'm like, I can see how she is the that same person like you know what i mean that she grew up yeah, that, that, do i understand grew, the passage of t- linear time no that she like the other day she was like mom do you want me to organize your drawers like it's like like i got this the same I've thing been doing she this. does she she didn't trust me that i knew how to breathe when she was four and she doesn't fucking trust that i can fold clothes now that yeah, she's 12 nothing's changed Nothing has changed. But yeah, it was a story about the linear passage of time, you son of a bitch. <laughs>